episode 181. And now here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Welcome back once again to the Dharmic Evolution. It's so great to be with you guys again and I've got a real treat for you today. She was away. She was in the African bush. She was a, I think she was a vagabond. Maybe she still is, but she is real and she is awesome. Now back in the US, she's hitting stages and gracing soundtracks again with her timeless tunes and stellar voice, balancing sweet, sexy, smart, and sassy. She's an all-round entertainer, charismatic, unique talent who has been wowing audiences as a singer-songwriter since first taking the stage at six years old. And that's just the tip of stacking the cool. You better strap up your seatbelts for Genevieve. Are you a singer-songwriter, author, speaker, or thought leader? Have you been looking for a platform for your career? Well, the James O'Connor Agency has exactly what you are looking for. Find out how we write and produce big, amazing songs on Music Row for authors, speakers, thought leaders and organisations like non-profit and corporations. We also help singer-songwriters and artists by giving them a platform on Dharmic Evolution, a podcast designed specifically to broadcast your global career now in 71 countries and with more than 161 episodes of artists all over the world from all genres, we know how to reach your target audience. Are you a dreamer like James? Then reach out today to James at thejamesoconnoragency.com and find out how we can help your global career. Genevieve, welcome to Dharmic Evolution. Thank you. you know, Thank I was, you for including me. You know, I can't believe that um, you're in my backyard. We're neighbors. You know, I'm like in North Jersey and I, I saw this and I said, you know, are you in Brielle? Are you down? Uh, no, my family that's down there and that's who I actually went to visit this weekend. Oh, um, okay. Got, yeah, I've got family all over the Northeast pretty much. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm a little bit of a vagabond right now having moved back from South Africa few months ago. So I'm not quite sure where I'm going to settle, but I've just been bouncing around to this person's house and that person's house. I was up in Boston last week with friends. I'm going out to LA tomorrow. Um, yeah. So it's, <laughs> I'm kind of everywhere, but I am from New Jersey originally. I can't wait so. to get into some of your, your world travels. So uh, really, when I started reading your bio, I was like, wow, this, I can't wait to, not only is your music like just badass. I mean, I love what you're doing, but, um, you know, your experiences were so captivating to me, like what you've been doing with yourself. So let's let's talk about like going to South Africa and, um, you know, being out in the bush and bringing your music and your gifts out there. Tell me, how did that work? What, what went on with that? <laughs> um, so I didn't, I, I went to South Africa actually on a vacation initially. I was at the point with music where I was kind of burned out. Right. Um, and I needed a break. And my two sort of parallel passions in life have always been music and also wildlife conservation stuff, environmental. And um, I didn't study that. I mean, I studied a little bit of it in college, but it was more of just a passion and I loved it. And I've always been a writer as well and a photographer. And so I went on vacation because a roommate of mine from college was living down there. And I said, you know what? I've always wanted to go. So about oh my goodness, eight years ago, I just said, okay, I'm just going to go on a vacation and I'm going to do some volunteer work. Um, 
I worked for two weeks in Kyalicha, which is one of the townships outside of Cape Town, uh, doing work with a women's group. And then I spent two weeks in the bush in KwaZulu-Natal doing wildlife species monitoring, priority species monitoring. And essentially what that is, is they have GPS collars or they have VHF collars on the animals. And they're particularly the critically endangered species. So I was working with wild dog and cheetah. And um, you just track them and you monitor them and you make sure that they're okay. And because the, the species, the numbers are so low, they need to keep tabs on everything. And so I just, I fell in love with it. I, I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and just spoke to the people that I was working with about possibly starting up a program with US universities to bring over students as part of like an exchange program or a study abroad. So zoology students, ecology students, they would you know, have this program that they could come right into and do the work. Mostly because this particular volunteer program was so heavily scientifically oriented, um, it really it, it would have benefited quite a bit from people that were already studying that, so getting into that. And uh, and they said, yeah, that's something really interesting. And then I also met a South African guy, um, and ended up saying, you know what, I'm just going to take the plunge and go. And so I literally came back to the states, packed up, and two months later was down there in the bush doing the priority species monitoring. Um, the program with the university students didn't work out. Sorry, my, my sister's dog is here and he's kind of crying. Oh, that's okay. Dogs um, are welcome. Might, he's got, Duncan, it's okay, sweetheart. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he's very sweet. But he just gets very excited when he sees anyone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's, he's a great dog. But anyway, so I, that's, that's kind of how I ended up down there. And then the program didn't end up coming to fruition. Um, and so I ended up just sort of tagging along doing the monitoring. Um, and then about seven or eight months after being there, the guy that I'd met who I started dating, we moved over to um, a field guide training camp. So the guys that take you out on safari, we were training them. I was running the camp and he was training the guides. Um, and it was amazing. I mean, it was, it was certainly a change to go from, I mean, I was living in Los Angeles before I moved there. And I went from living in, you know, an apartment in Santa Monica, a little townhouse in Santa Monica to a tent with no electricity. And, uh, <laughs> And elephants outside, like literally outside my front door. It was really, it was an adjustment. Um, it was amazing, but it was, it was hard. You know, it was hard to be that disconnected from everything. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those places where, I mean, you go in Joburg, you go to Cape Town, you've got everything that any city has. There are yeah. major metropolitan cities. They're very cosmopolitan. They're just like a New York or an LA, just with a different accent, you know? So, um, but when you get out into the bush, you don't have access to everything. I mean, the closest store is sometimes two hours away. And that's not even like, you know, you're not talking about going to some major box store like a Target or whatever. You're talking about going to some tiny little shop that might have 30 items. Yeah. So you, you just have to learn to, to plan, um, to roll with the punches, so to speak. <laughs> and, uh, and you just adapt. And, then you, and also, I think what happens is you, you slow down a bit. I mean, I speak very quickly, so that obviously hasn't changed me in that respect. But you, uh, your whole perspective, I think, shifts a bit. You, um, you slow down. You notice things. Like I, I never really spent a whole lot of time listening to birds or, or paying attention really to what was going on around me because I was always just, you know, go, go, go. I have a thousand things going on in my brain at any given time. It made me stop because I didn't have, I mean, in many ways, I didn't have a choice. Um, I didn't have anything else to distract me. It's not like I had social media around me or whatever. I mean, I didn't even have a phone that worked half the time. So I really had to stop and sit down and watch and listen. And, and the other thing about being out there is, you know, we, are, we grow up in a society here where we're so used to having to use our eyes for everything. That's our primary sense. Right. But when you're in the bush, because so many things are camouflaged, 
um, you have to start using relying on your other senses. So your sense of smell, your sense of hearing, um, and your eyes are more used for tracking, like looking down in the sand to see what tracks are there and how fresh those tracks are and being able to identify that. Um, and they're not necessarily used as much for what we normally use them for here. And so it makes you more in tune, I think, with your other senses. So I know the first time I came back to the States after being in South Africa for about, I don't know, about six months, I was completely overwhelmed because this, the onslaught of different sounds that I previously just, you know, brushed away as, as white noise, yeah. all of a sudden now we're in like just extreme. So it was, um, it was I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a different place. At least, I mean, where I was, it was very different. Uh, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Uh, it's challenging. I had to put the music aside for a bit because for the first two years, especially, I really didn't have any way. I mean, I'm a piano. I wish I was a guitar player. I'm still, I'm learning very slowly, but I'm a piano player and keyboards require power. And they also require me to have the space to put them somewhere. Yeah. And you know, you know, when you're living in a tent, you'd really have no place to set up a keyboard or a place to plug it in. So um, the music went by the wayside completely for the first two years. And then sort of as it moved, I moved on and moved into places that might actually have a plug. I actually brought the keyboard over and started doing some more writing again. Um, I met some friends who had friends in Cape Town who had studios. And so whenever I was in town, they found out that I was a singer songwriter. They'd asked me to come in and do session work. So I would sing commercials or jingles or even record, started recording some of my own stuff or work on, you know, being background vocals for somebody. And so I kept a tie with it to that respect and then was working with someone who was a, uh, who's a big conservationist guy and, and wrote a song essentially to sort of help with rhino poaching or not help with, I didn't want to help the cause. I wanted to help the anti-rhino, anti-poaching cause. Um, and so was working on that. So music like that was going towards organizations you know, when I could get stuff done. <laughs> so, so let me, let me just back you up just a little bit. So when, when you say you were working as, um, you know, a conservationist to help these animals, was the primary, um, cause all about poaching? Was that the, was that the, um, the number one uh, problem they're having or was it other things? In uh, no, well, it depends more on the species. Um, the largest problem for any wildlife right now is, is loss of habitat. Okay. Um, poaching is a ma major issue, but, the biggest issue facing most of these animals is loss of habitat. Um, poaching is a major problem for things like, especially rhino, elephant as well. It wasn't so much for elephant, at least in South Africa until recently, but now all of a sudden sort of the ivory has boomed again. Um, and it's a challenge because there's a large dichotomy between the rich and the poor. Um, a lot for a long time, a lot of the concept, I mean, some of the conservation efforts did include a lot of the communities that were surrounding a lot of these game reserves, but quite a bit of it wasn't. It was sort of a white man's game where, you know, you, you had all these white tourists, white wealthy tourists coming in and the money wasn't necessarily going into the hands of a lot of these communities that were surrounding these game reserves who were sort of bearing the brunt of when an elephant breaks. And elephants, I mean, they're not going to be contained by a fence, you know, right. if there's, if they need food, they'll go right through it. It's just, I mean, they're five ton animals. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, ah, water sources on that side. I'm just going to go. Yeah. They are amazing so, creatures. They're yeah, unbelievable. They really are. Let me ask you also about like, I was, you know, you said you completely disconnected from music, which I kind of suspected that would have to happen just by virtue of, you know, your, chosen instrument and where you were proximity wise, it's kind of hard to do both of, of what you were doing. So on the whole, was this healthy for you in the long run for you to like, just 
shelf it and, and go away for a while and then return? Um, it was hard. Yeah, it was hard because I mean, as much as I love the wildlife stuff, music has always been my first love. Yeah, uh, much to the chagrin, I think, of many ex-boyfriends and what and people <laughs> in my life. It just it is what it is. It's it's just something that's consumed me. Um, I mean, I started I think singing before I even started talking, and I my iPod basic, and I still have my little iPod like my. I think I got it 20 years ago and it only just now is finally dying a slow and like a very, now it's a very quick death, but yeah. for a long time it was dying a very slow death <laughs> and that thing was my savior. I came with me everywhere I went. I, you know, just loaded it up with music and that was kind of what would get me through. Um, so there were definitely hard times that isolation is, is difficult. It's very difficult. Uh, you think you're going to love it and you do for about a week and then you realize you've got a year of it and and suddenly it's sort of like oh okay this is this is a lot um and and it takes a while to trend to have that transition to transition to the whole okay i'm gonna i'm gonna actually start absorbing where i am and appreciating where i am as opposed to freaking out that i don't have what i had yeah uh, and so that's that's hard and the, and not having the outlet of the music to be able to just sit i'm like because for my entire life Whenever I've had, you know, stressful times or whatever, the first thing I did was run to the piano and just start just pounding things out. Whether I was playing a song or anything, it was just getting everything out onto a piano. And, um, and I, I, mean, I, I, write, I wrote lyrics and everything, but I couldn't actually bring them to fruition to anything. And I'd record sort of ideas on my phone in notes, vocal notes, but I couldn't do anything with it. So that was somewhat frustrating. Um, well, I can relate I, because you, you know, like to do what you do. And as a, as a fellow singer songwriter, I really appreciate the, the idea of um, just being isolated. You have to spend a lot of time alone when you're a writer. It's just, it's just mm -hmm. part of the deal, you know, and it, it is tough on relationships. And, but you took it to a whole nother level by going like in like jettison, everything in your life that was familiar and say, I'm going to embrace this for a year. That's really, really tough. So Jen, why don't we give everybody a taste of what Genevieve is all about? This is called Fragile. Here we go. Just like me I 
Is the story behind that story such a beautiful track really really loved that. i was listening i listened to it last night and again this morning and just i'm not sure what my favorite is on the on the ones you sent me because i love them all kind of equally that's unusual for me because I, I hear a lot of you know indie music and this is just killer so tell us some um, tell us the story behind fragile oh um so interestingly enough that song came from one line um this there's a line in there that says uh you don't have to be strong all the time. I think, or you don't need to be, I think, yeah, you don't need to be strong all the time. Something, I think something like that. I should know the lyrics to my own song. But <laughs> when it's out of context, lot. sometimes I, you, you forget. I could tell you uh, write a lot. I do the same thing. What was yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. It's the end of the bridge. I know that. Uh, or no, but I don't know. Anyway, so I was going through a really difficult time and um, just trying to figure out where I wanted to be, what I wanted to be doing. Because this song was written, actually initially written about 10 years ago and uh, never finished, got finished recording until 
six months ago, maybe. Uh, just one of those things that happens with music where, you know, life takes over and you end up having to shelve things because it's just not at the place. You're not at the place or it's not at the place where you want it to be Yeah. to really do it justice. And when I write stuff, I kind of have many movies in my mind. Um, each song tends to be, I grew up, I think because I grew up doing musical theater, I grew up loving sound, like film scores. So when I write songs, I tend to write them more cinematically versus the very simple. Um, and yeah, I tend to be a little overly dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this song was basically just at a point where I was going through a lot. Um, and and I'm, uh, I grew up in a big family, but I grew up, because my brothers and sisters are a lot older than I am, I kind of grew up alone. And just because of circumstances in life, I always found myself kind of alone. I had friends, but my friends were always in bunches. Like, I wasn't in just like a group. I was, you know, I was an athlete. I was a musician. I was, you know, the smart kid, whatever. I, so I didn't have a group and didn't really ever learn to ask anyone for help for anything. And uh, found myself feeling like I was taking on the weight of the world and just drowning. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of where it came from was the whole idea of, and I know I wrote it from the perspective of saying to somebody else, they need to let go. But I realized that I write a lot of my songs like that right. to sort of deflect from myself. <laughs> yeah. Do you find, but, let me ask you, do you find that that happens like, cause this happens to me a lot. Like I'll write it and I'll have one concept in mind. In other words, the concept is intact, but you think you're writing it about someone else and suddenly it could be months later. And it's like, you know, I'm in this story. Like, how did that happen? You've, yeah. Does that happen yeah. to you a lot? <laughs> yeah. So you'll appreciate actually to the segue. I didn't actually send you the song. And and I think because it's become such a personal thing, I never really perform it anymore. But there's a song on my second CD called The Way You Need Me To. And it's a ballad, it's a slow song. And basically the whole premise is, you know, I can't love you the way you need me to. It's not that I don't want to, it's not that I don't try. It's not, it's just that's not how I'm built. And when I had originally written the song, the idea was someone I was thinking of someone else who I'd known, who it wasn't even someone that I was necessarily in a relationship with. It was just like talking to them about their situation and realizing that sometimes that's just it. You know, no matter what, you just are not going to click. You're not, you just kind of ships in the night passing that just are never going to meet. And it's nobody's fault necessarily. It's just is. And uh, I had to record that song the day after I split up with my fiance and uh -huh. literally walked into the studio and, uh, and the guy that I was recording with looked at me and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, eh, not my best day. <laughs> and, and so he's like, well, you know, what's wrong? And I was like, well, you know, I just split up with my, my fiance and, um, yeah, so let's do this. And he's like, do you want to sing this song? And I'm like, well, you know what, if I'm not going to get it now with the amount of stress and emotion that I've got raging through my body, then I'm never going to get it. Um, and, and I realized looking back now that it was actually me writing, listening to the lyrics. And it was like, I was writing about myself, thinking I was writing about somebody else and realizing that that's just, that's how I'm built. Um, as much as I maybe didn't want to admit it or, you know, whatever, it just, uh, that is who I am. And, and I guess sometimes with the music, it, it becomes even more pronounced because this is such a difficult path where you do have to spend a lot of time running around on the road alone what have you. It's difficult on relationships. For me, it's been a little bit easier because I grew up kind of alone. So I don't mind alone time. I actually don't mind large chunks of alone time, but at yeah. some point you still want to have 
someone to bounce ideas off of or someone there. I mean, I don't want to be alone all the time. Yeah, I feel um, you. <laughs> yeah. It's but like, it I, is, I'm good with it. I like, I travel all by myself constantly yeah, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm cool with that. But like, I think too much of any one thing is, is not healthy, you know, and yeah. you're right. You do need somebody, even if it's not a soulmate, if it's just a friend, somebody who can say, I get what you're doing. I understand this. I totally appreciate it. And, and, yeah. you know, I can, I can feedback to you, you know? Yeah. Kind of and vice cool. versa. I mean, you want to be able to give to somebody else as well. I mean, it's all about the give and take and not, I mean, I don't know how many times I've traveled alone in past, past seven years, especially because my other ex who, when I left South Africa, we split up. Um, so like last year I was in Madagascar. I went by myself because he couldn't go because of work. I was in Mozambique by myself. And I'm thinking these are really cool places it would be really nice to have someone else to share these experiences with. Yeah. Not even just because, oh, it's, you know, kind of romantic on the beach in Mozambique. It's more that it's just, look at these cool things that you're doing. And like, I'm off by myself on a kayak, tying up to some empty bottle in the middle of the water, just jumping off the boat and snorkeling. And, and I'm by myself. There's nobody here to share this with. I can't be like, look at that cool octopus or whatever. Yeah. There's nobody. Everyone's like, well, that's great. But never saw it. I'm like, yeah, I know. You weren't there. Right. It's not the same. <laughs> So you've you've had um you've had quite a journey. I mean, you started like you said very very early as a as a singer performer, and um you know you've been on stage pretty much your whole life, right? Yeah, um, and, it's been an interesting ride though because I can't I come from a super conventional family, super conservative family, and this was never seen as a real job. Yeah. So it was kind of like the little trained monkey that you could roll out for parties to perform. Yeah. And roll her back in the closet. Um. And that's sorry, that's an extreme, but it's just to give an idea. That's kind of the way it was seen. It was like, this is really cool. And it's great that she's got this talent, but you know, it's not a real thing. So let her, so I, I didn't go to school for this. I wasn't actually really allowed to go to school for this. I had to, um, I had to focus on something more of a sort of a real useful, whatever. So I, uh, ended up taking classes and continuing to perform, but not studying this as a degree. Yeah. Don't so, you feel it, um, like the European communities um, are more supportive of if you, if they see that light in somebody, they seem to support it more. Like in, in America, it just seems like there's a lot of that. And I think there's more attention paid now to, you know, all these child prodigies and so forth because of American Idol and all of these, you know, yeah. if you do this, you, you hit the big time. But I don't think the actual gift is acknowledged and supported as much yeah. like when people have it and saying, I, I, you know, I'd agree. I would agree. I would agree and, with that. Uh, and I'm yeah. just, I'm just hoping that it gets to the point where you value it for the right reasons, not to be the American idol, but like, wow, this is something so special. And, and I think people in, in their, in their moments of honesty do, um, I've heard people say this, you know, I would do anything to be able to do what you do. And that's just like, they have that moment of, yeah, I'm successful and I'm making money and everything, but I can't do that, you know? So, uh, you know, so I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what the takeaway is other than it's just more of an observation than anything else. So let's play back of my hand and see what this one's all about, Jen. Here goes Jen. Like wind, no bounds to hold me. No one to show me when I cross the Breaking red seal, finding the loophole, tripping the sinkhole, and leaving the wreckage behind. 
this what were you running through the bush or what was happening there jen <laughs> okay so this is the perfect example of a, of a first of all you if you have never you have but if, if anyone listening to this has never been in a recording studio they should just go one time and just you know hire somebody out just to play around there are so many amazing things that you can do in the studio and 
the fact that we have all of these things at our disposal and you just have to be in, creative and just try things. Yeah. So basically recording, this song was written as a soundtrack for a book that actually never ended up coming. The book came to fruition, the soundtrack never did. And so the whole idea, and I know it's a little bit dark and eerie and people are like, oh, what's going on there? Um, it's the whole concept of being able to hide behind the computer, which has sort of become ubiquitous in, in the world right now. Yes, for sure. Um, but you can literally fall, you know, you can hide in the shadows and you know everything because you're the one typing all the little, you know, all the notes and the, and the you know, hiding behind the ones and zeros. But, you know, nobody else can necessarily identify you. And, um, and that sort of safety, which is kind of also scary. So anyway, um, we were sitting in the studio and I wanted to give it, because it's kind of an eerie feeling, I wanted a, a song, I wanted to give it all these eerie feelings. And so I was doing all kinds of weird things. Like I was coughing, I was sneezing, I was laughing. I was like, just affect it. And like, play with this, give it really high EQ, give it really low EQ, take this off of it. Play like, and making all these weird kind of funky noises. But then I thought the breathing was kind of that very sort of, kind of that freaky somebody's watching you and you don't know that they're watching you and that really kind of eerie feeling that somebody's there but you don't know who it is yeah and so that's where it all came from it was just playing around with all these different ideas that when you put them together could create this soundscape that really went with the idea of the song and so the heavy breathing was yeah i wasn't running at all i was just yeah, acting <laughs> i was acting <laughs> That was great. Yeah. It was a great track, really. Can I ask you, with this um, this collection of songs, were these recorded um, after your trip to the bush or were they recorded before? Um, a combination. So okay. I started Fragile in Back of My Hand before I left for South Africa. I didn't finish them until both of them, until this past year. Yeah, because I was wondering just, if it had, like, those experiences had any like in influence, even if it was like carried in your subconscious that came out in the studio, you know, like, like for instance, yeah. the effects, you know, very yeah. cool. I picked that up um, from the animals. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I actually have this sort of dream of, of going back and grabbing a mic and just recording a lot of the animal songs that I've heard and, and creating songs from them. Um, but again, the same kind of a feel where you sort of affect them. So you don't realize that that's an elephant trumpeting. It's you've affected it enough that you can't quite identify what it is, but you're like, I kind of, I feel like I know what I should know without, I've heard that before. I know I have a, because you never, who hasn't seen a nature documentary? And it's like an elephant's trumpeting is so iconic of a sound for that animal that I think, you know, every, you know all little kids, when they ask you, what does an elephant sound like? They're like, Brrr! you know, yeah. they do that little, when they always use the hand too. Right. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, like we just all kind of grow up with that. And so how cool would it be to take all these sounds of these animals and just tweak them a bit and because they already are music, but just find a way to building and 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 incorporate them into songs. Yeah. Um, you also yeah. have a um, you also have a very vagabond accent too. I've I've noticed. I, I know. It's like it's like I'm hearing a little touch of South African, a little bit of British, a little bit of everything going on there. You know, I don't hear Massapequa though. <laughs> no. Well, you know, I never actually had an, a a quote unquote Jersey accent. I yeah. Never had the. Yeah, everyone used to say that when, especially when I went to college, they're like, there's no way you're from that area. I'm like, because I had that sort of traditional kind of Midwestern, uh, what do you call them? The broadcaster, that very flat, not, not the Midwestern sort of Fargo accent, but just the very flat, it's very difficult to determine where you're from. Right. So starting from that, and I have a habit because I think as a musician, you do tend to pick up things just yeah. because of your ear. So yeah, so things in South Africa, like I never... 
I never picked up certain things, but I realized that I say year and goal and world instead of world and girl and years. Right. I started, yeah. And it's just natural. Like that's how my, it, it just comes out that way now. It's unconscious, you know, as, and as a, yeah. as a, as a broadcaster, like I spend a lot of time in Nashville cause I record down there and I have kind of like a whole musical family down there. And I'm always like very, very conscious of, don't get infected with the Southern draw because I can get into yeah. that real easy, girl. I just love yeah. doing other people's voices, you know? <laughs> and so I'm always like trying to protect that, you know? Hey, um, so what about like you, do you have a photographic memory? Because you, you, it seems like you did a lot of, um, you taught yourself piano and you play all kinds of instruments. Um, are you primarily self-taught, Jen, or did you get any instruction like for your musical? I no, I'm primarily self. I wish I could say that I uh, I should have more discipline to have done a lot of the lessons. Um, when I was a little kid, so I took like six months of piano lessons, I think when I was in eighth grade after having played the piano since I was six years old. Um, I just have, I have a really good ear. Uh, I hear things and I, from the time I was tiny, I mean, I just started playing. Uh, my brothers were taking piano lessons at the time. My mom had a piano. My dad, my mom used to play, so my dad bought my mom a piano, and they were taking lessons. And I remember they were playing "Hey Jude," which I knew the song because what was they it? were playing hey, it over. "Hey Jude," did you say? "Hey Jude." Yeah. Oh, okay. My mother's name is Judy, so, um, so I just one day sat down at the piano and just started playing just by ear, because I, I couldn't read the notes. Obviously, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what they were. And my mom came home, was all excited, thinking my brothers were practicing. And they, she came over and she realized it was me. And she's like, how do you know how to play this? And I was like, I, I don't know. I just, that's what it sounds like. You know, it's like, that's, that's how I learned to play is I've, I've done it by ear. So harmonizing has always come really naturally to me because I hear the different, and I play around and I, you know, um, I just, I liked the drum. So I just started playing around with it because my brother played and we had a drum set. Um, clarinet, I actually learned for in school. So I had, a, I had a teacher that taught me clarinet and recorder, which are essentially almost the same, you know. So I, I know I can read the treble clef. I can, I'm not so great on the bass clef. I can read basic chords and things like that. So that when I, and also have done that. So when I write, you know, I can hand off the stuff to somebody else for notation and say, here, this is what it is. Um, I wish I were better. Like if someone sat down and said, tell me circle of fifths, I'd be like, uh, I, I, I should know this. And I, I don't. And it's, it's sometimes can be hard. <laughs> if someone doesn't say to me what key the song is in, right. I, I hear where I want to be playing, but I don't necessarily know which keys I should be playing. So I've got to fiddle around with it. I'll get it in like five minutes once I've got it. Right. But I can't, I don't, I don't ever want to just sit down with someone and start playing unless I at least know which key it's in because I will probably play the wrong notes. Yeah. Not in you know, just trying to figure out what key. So yeah. I know which ones, which sharps and flats are in there or if there are any or not. I was only laughing because as you're, as you're telling the story, I'm, I'm relating on such a, a surreal level because my son Trevor is a cool singer songwriter. He's in Austin now. And I waited till he got out of college and he started explaining to me circle of fifths and giving me like lessons after writing like thousands of songs. <laughs> and it's like, I'm kind of the same way. I just know how to do this. You know, it's like, I never had any, um, you know, real formal training, but that's amazing that you were able to just go and do all this. And you're interested in film also, right? Yeah, I do love the film. So you're a complete, so let me, before we get into, uh, let me ask you about the film. I have to ask this one because it's going to leave me. How do you deal with being so, because I see your fingerprints all over your, your brand and everything. How do you deal with 
the overwhelm of ideas constantly. I could tell you you're like a workaholic because I, I can relate. <laughs> um, how do I deal? Uh, is is the hard? Let me let I me don't. ask you another question. But while <laughs> while I'm while I'm asking you that one, is it is it frustrating for you to say these are all really good ideas? These half a dozen or maybe a dozen. Which one should I be working on now? Do you have that challenge? Oh yes, hundred um, percent. Yeah, my my challenge is focus, which is, and I say that for two reasons. One is. If you give me something to work on that I'm interested in, you'll lose me. Like I'll be gone for days at a time working on this one thing so heavily focused on it that I like won't eat or drink for three days. I'll leave the room. But at the same time, because I want to do so many things, it's also hard to get me to that point. Yeah. Um, because I'll be thinking, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do that. And I've got all these songs and I want to get all of them done. And, you know, it's never, it's never enough time. And so choosing what to focus on, I think tends to be my harder, my sort of state of analysis, paralysis, whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I find that deciding which one to focus my energy on is the bigger challenge. Once I know, once I've decided, it's not usually a problem. It's usually just, uh, you know, carving out the time is a bigger issue. But um, yeah, it's, it's more or less just deciding which one to focus on at any given time is, is my harder thing. Yeah. So once I'm in that, I'm fine. I'm great. We got to so, figure yeah. that out so we can help others on that because I have the same problem. And it's like, yeah. it's true. Sometimes you, you turn around after you've finished and, and I'm, I'm like a big believer in like a full album. Like, and I, I always, I try to stay with that. And it's like, I look back sometimes and go, how did, how did this thing get done? It's like, it just like happened so fast, it seemed. But it, it wasn't actually fast. You know, you, I usually write about, you know, 60 or 70 pieces of music for one full album and just... Don't spend a whole lot of time on each piece, but I'll go back to it later and go through yeah. all of them and go jettison, 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 and then take 15 and go, these sound like they're worthy of working on, you know, and then put the time into that. But it's a big, it's a big issue for creatives like yourself to say, I'm surrounded by what I think are worthy ideas and which one should I go with? So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, I also find that sometimes, I mean, if you're talking about an album, I think thematically, uh, I've been terrible about this prior, but I'm starting to think more in the term, in the sense of what works together for an idea. Like if I'm trying to build an idea, like an album of this concept. So back of my hand and fragile may not necessarily on the surface sound like they fit with each other, but they do in in the sense in my mind of they're a little they're less singer songwritery and more have like this sort of a pop electro, not really electro. Well, maybe back of my hand, but there's just more of a more of a sensibility, a stylistic sensibility to the two of them, where there there's certain elements of them that are just kind of funky and different. Yeah, and so they work together. Um, I see across. Whereas, I I see a lot of cross genres. I hear adult contemporary yeah. pop. I mean, yeah. it could go any anywhere. I mean, it's just it's so accessible, you know, to to anybody yeah. who loves melody, you know. And what's wrong with that? Hey, let's mm. do this. One was a big surprise for me this morning, and uh, when I played this one, this is called. Giddy up cowboy. And I have to say that I was, I was like bracing myself because even though I go to Nashville, I'm as far from country as you can get. And I said, this is going to be a country song. And I was so pleasantly surprised when I heard what came out here. So here's giddy up cowboy. Standing in 
songs and not a woof from Duncan. I think he must be mesmerized. Right back to my interview with Genevieve after this word. Have you connected with your gratitude today? 
think I have something that will help inspire you. It's the brand new release from James Kevin O'Connor. Gratitude, recorded on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee with producer Kim Copeland and team, is James' third full-length album in four years. Ten amazing songs, each one a different story about the emotions, journeys and experiences that you and I have lived. Songs like Dreamer, Jesus Teaches, Tango On and 51 Shades of Grey. And of course, the title track, Gratitude. Pick up the brand new CD today with amazing artwork and photography at iTunes, CD Baby and Amazon. Or simply go to jameskevinoconnor.com for your download right now. Send someone that you love a copy of Gratitude today. It might be exactly what they need in their life right now. Gratitude, the new release by James Kevin O'Connor. So beautiful. And and are you playing, is that an electric grand or is that a real grand piano? What is it you're playing there? No, it's an, oh God, I would love it. If it was, an, if it was a real grand piano, it's an electric grand. It has a wonderful tone to it, but great, great song. So, so tell us about Giddy Up Cowboy. I know. Well, so the name was, I always laughed at because <laughs> it was just such a, people like, what, what, what's the song? Yeah. And then they kind of fall unexpected. Like you said, like this really heavy country, twangy, whatever. And I was like, nope, nope. It's just the, the idea of, you know, somebody's just go, it's time to go, like take off and, and, and not in a bad way, just, you know, do your thing. Right. Um, so yeah, so it was, kind of came off of the whole, again, getting back to the whole, you write a song thinking it's about somebody else and then you realize that it tends, it, it's about you. But this was in a different way about me. Um, so when I, my ex from South Africa, grew up in South Africa, was a you know, game ranger guy, open plains kind of, you know, and that was really what was in his blood. He was, he was never going, and it's not that I'm not like that at all. It's, I'm definitely like that. I wouldn't have lasted for as long as I did where I did yeah. if I didn't actually really love that. Um, and it is really important for me to have open space and be outside and be like in nature. But um, he was more to the extreme of just didn't want to ever, he really just didn't want to ever stop that. He didn't want to ever settle down. He never wanted to. Um, and it wasn't, it's not necessarily a negative. It's just, again, that situation of sometimes things just don't work. And, you know, you might love each other very much, but your lives just don't, you cannot find that intersection that that works for both of you yeah um and comp there's compromise but then there's a point in time where you realize that you're giving up way too much of who you are from both sides yeah that it's actually fair so yeah so that was where that song came from initially and then i realized that it kind of was representative of us um not that i necessarily want to stay in one place because i i don't like to stay in one place per se but that i wanted to be a little bit more settled and have a little more stability in my life and he he wasn't interested in that and um and it was kind of i was holding down the fort so to so literally holding down the fort um and didn't feel like i had the support i needed to be able i was just kind of not being met halfway yeah. and for better or for worse you know he's not a bad guy i'm not a bad person it's just just didn't work just not so, just the, the alignment wasn't there yeah. yeah it seems like it seems like for somebody like you um you know, to not have the ability to to put yourself into different um, situations, whether they be a geographic or social or what have you as a writer, 
that seems to be very important to you too, because it's, it's part of your evolution, you know, like, yeah. like that's how you get these songs, you know, and somebody yeah. needs to really appreciate that about you that, you know, that's your, your lifeblood source of what you do, you know, yeah. and it's really, and I'm, sorry, I'm, I realize I'm a, I'm a difficult person for a lot of people because I ask a lot of questions. Um, I'm really fascinated by why people, like I'm fascinated by why I do it, I'm, but I'm really fascinated by what other people do. I think if I had that sort of proclivity, I would have probably been a psychiatrist or a psychologist because I am fascinated with the way people think and why they do the things they do. I like animal behavior, any kind of animal behavior, whether it's, you know, a giraffe or it's a human being. It's, I'm really interested in why people do what they do. I'm, I'm fascinated by why I do. And half the time I don't I have no idea. And I sit there and like, what was I thinking? Like, where did that even come from? Yeah. But I love kind of trying to get into someone else's brain and say like, why? You know, because I feel like that's what makes us who we are. You know, yeah. every single one of us, we make choices based on who we are as human beings and what matters to us. And uh, I actually said this to somebody else with regards to situation. He said something about, I wish my situation was different. And I said, well, your situation is, it is what it is. It's really your the way you face your situation that matters more than anything. It's um it's how you see it. So you know you could be in a really difficult. You have the same person. Two you could have two people in the exact same situation. They will handle it differently because of the choices they make and how they see it and how they perceive things and how they uh, who they are. Yeah. And uh, and I, I just think that's fascinating that we are all so unbelievable. Like in some ways we are fundamentally the same, and then in other ways we are so epically different. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so for me, songwriting is like, it's the mini movie thing. It's each thing has sort of its arc, its story. You start somewhere and, and, and there's always a reason for why. And so when I'm writing something, um, whether it's actually just a story or if it's, it's a, a, a song, it's, you know, what's going on there? What's the undercurrent? What's, why are they doing this? And what's, what's the sort of motivation behind it? Um, I had acting training, which probably interestingly enough feeds into my music. Yeah. Well, it seems so. to be, it seems to be, I call it the never ending learning journey because every song you write seems to be, um, you know, whether you wrote it or someone else wrote it, um, especially for us as writers though, when we, we author something, we come back and we examine it. It's almost like we're, an, it's an out of body experience. It's teaching you something back. Like after you finish it, wow, I never, I never really, you know, felt the lesson in that until now after it's done. And I think, mm -hmm. I think it's very rewarding to be a songwriter um, on so many levels and people that aren't, who, who don't know that world. Um, you know, I always try to, without being pushy, like include the beauty of what it's all about. Like, like explain it yeah. to them on, on a, on a level that's easy to understand, you know, cause it is such a gift. It's so great to have it in your, in your life. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I've been told, my sisters say it a lot, and I actually feel like I have to correct my sister sometimes. She's, she tells people that I live a charmed life, and I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I would ever say I lived a charmed life. I mean, I've done some really, I've been really lucky to do some amazing things, but I've also made the choices to do those yeah. things. And I've, I've sacrificed a lot to do those things. I mean, I sacrificed salary, you know, I sacrificed a comfortable life, I sacrificed um, consistency, any sort of stability, um, a lot of relationships and, yeah. and it's, it's not been, it's not easy, no, but it's, it's like not. anything in life. It's that it, you're, you're constantly making compromises and you're constantly making sacrifices. So yeah. it might look glamorous on the surface because you're like, Oh, you get to do something you love. I'm like, yeah, I do, but I don't have a 401k. You know, I don't have, I don't have all these things that you guys take for granted. I don't have a house. I don't have, like, I don't have these things. Right. And that's because of these 
the choice that I made to pursue something that I love hasn't created this sort of, I'm hoping that it, it eventually will, but hasn't created this sort of financial security or this, you know, wealth of, of dollars. I mean, yeah. it's created a wealth of experience. Right. Um, and yeah. I hope it's helped other people, but it's, uh, in terms of social, you know, what we as a, I mean, I think when you're getting back to what you were saying about the arts, I think in the States, we tend to put too much emphasis on financial success as the, as, as the, uh, epitome of success right. is that you have to make money and, um, it doesn't make a difference what you're doing. It's more about, are you, you know, do you have a house? Do you have the nice car? Do you have the nice clothes? Do you, have, and it's, it's all about the stuff versus the substance. Right. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why the arts are sort of poo-pooed in the States. I mean, you think about it, like I use this as an example for people when they've asked me about music, like why should I have to pay for music or whatever when I can get it for free or, and I said, you know, I'm going to just put this out there and just, when you've gone through great purpose moments in your life, terrible moments in your life, what is the first thing you've turned to? I said, I can tell you something. I can tell you if you hear certain songs, it will take you back immediately to a certain point in your life. Yeah. It will, it will bring back memories. Music is essentially what you use to get through life. Yes. You know, whether you're singing in the shower, whether you're listening in a car, whether you're crying over something and you have like 15 songs that you just keep playing over and over. It's, there, there's a reason that there are scores for films. When you, listen, when you see a film without the score, without any music behind it, it's, it's, I mean, it's not, the actors are fantastic. The directors are fantastic. The editors are fantastic. All the guys involved, people involved, they're amazing. But it doesn't have the same effect without the music. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's so funny what... you're talking about this because last week's episode, I did one. Uh, it's my storyteller series where I just do like by myself. And that's the topic I was talking about. Uh, and, I, and I've been on a tear for a long time about how we've, um, we've been devaluing the currency of music for years and years. And, and I'm trying to somehow in my little world that, that hopefully is going to get bigger, um, you know, come up with a remedy, not myself, but through like having people like you on my show and other people, other like-minded artists, we're going to come up with some way to, um, to re-inflate the, the value, the, the value of music as it should be, you know, it, it's very, very important. And it's like, um, somehow we lost our way and i don't know i don't know what it is it was you know the record companies all changed and the, the idea of music as a business changed drastically over the last 15 years um the old business is done pretty much like the way it used to be so so in that i think there's opportunity and i think we're still figuring out the pieces of it and and i'm hopeful that it's going to be a bright future especially when i hear people like you because um yeah. that's why we should be embracing you know so the sum of all things i think that's a good time jen here here's jen's video for you guys who are checking in on our youtube channel here we go sum of all things i waited by the phone for the call it wouldn't come and i knew in a moment of undeniable clarity The broken silences of breathing Surrounded me alone And I understood The meaning when I said 
This is the sum of all things This is how it would be I cried so many times over nothing And when I had a reason I found myself dry-eyed And the baggage on my face is a record of the endless nights I spent waiting for an answer that wouldn't come. And I said, This is the sum of all things, this is how. So that was a really amazing video. And where were you with that wood paneling, Jen? What was going on in that sauna? <laughs> so yeah, it was a sauna. It was a, um, a, a friend of mine, Neil Eckstein, has a studio up uh, outside of Boston called Fox Run. And um, they do a concert series, but he's been really getting known for helping artists and producing artists' CDs and, and stuff. And so I was actually up there visiting and had written this song, but wanted to, and I'd started recording it in Cape Town with another friend. And I said, I just need this off the plate. Let's just finish it. 
but literally two days before, or sorry, the, the day before I had to record it, I started getting sick. And so the day I went into the studio, I, I could barely breathe. Uh, and so, and I was freezing because, you know, when you're sick, obviously you get the chills, you're cold, yeah. you're just uncomfortable. And so he has this sauna basically in the basement where the studio is. And we set everything up in there and that was the warmest room. And so that's where I'm sitting there singing the song. I've got like, you know, <laughs> I'm surprised I'm not actually dripping, but I think because I was sick anyway, you know, my body was so out of whack, but yeah. So I can, it's funny because I can hear listening to the song. I can hear me being sick. Right. Yeah. Uh, and other people, you know, obviously they probably can't, but I, I can hear it. And I'm just like, Oh man. But yeah. So that was recorded in a sauna. Great song. Great song. So what, what is the sum of all things? So sum of all things is really whatever you take it to mean. I okay. mean, for all of us, it's for something, it's something different. Right. It's, uh, it's that point that you get to where you realize that that this is it. This is what it is. Yeah. Literally, this is, it's not going to change. It isn't anything more or less. It just is. And so um, in this particular case, it's more about the whole not having, you know, we all, everybody wants closure. You know, it's, it's human nature to want things to be finished and completed and done. So you can just sort of knock them off the, the plate and move on to the next thing. Yeah. And, um, and closure just unfortunately isn't something that we can control. And sometimes, or oftentimes, we won't get. And so it's, you know, sometimes waiting for that phone call to find out that everything's fine and never getting that phone call or waiting for, you know, that last ditch effort from somebody to reach out to you and it never happens. Or, And it's just finally kind of resigning yourself to the fact that this is it and it's time to move on. Like, this is what it is. This is the sum of all things. This is, how, this is what it's going to be. Um, and that's it. And, and just... It. Which I think sounds kind of depressing, and it is sad. I mean, it's a it's a, kind of, it's a sad song, but it's it's more or less the whole idea of letting go. Yes, yeah. admitting what it is, acknowledging what it is, and then saying, "Okay, we're, that's it. We're finished." And it's all those voices at the end. The idea was coming into that was that it's you know all these voices in your head that are telling you, you know, what about this? What about, you know, you've got you know dealing with something. You've got forty five voices in your head telling you you know, you should have done this, or what if you'd done this, or what, you know, you're second guessing, you're third guessing, or fourth, whatever it is. Um, you're questioning, you're doubting, you're wondering, you know, even the most, I think, secure people in the world still have those moments of what if I'd done this, or what if I'd swerved left instead of right? Yeah. And so it's all those voices coming in, you know, questioning, 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 and then finally saying, that's it. It's it. That's, you're done. Let it go. That's yeah. why they all drop out. <laughs> How do you... Um how do you stay healthy on the road? Do you have uh, a regimen you want to share? Do you work out? Do you do anything that, that is? I'm, ooh, yeah, I'm a bit, I had to say this, I'm a bit neurotic about exercise, um, uh -huh. mostly because I think because I've got so much going on in my head, that is like there's a lot of this pent up energy. I have to get it out somewhere. Otherwise I start, I literally like almost start shaking um, and feel like I'm clawing out of my own skin. So I, I also, I just feel better, you know, so yeah. I've got like, I'm visiting my sister. I take the dog for a walk every morning. Um, I do a lot of yoga mostly because it's center. It does one thing to center me and forces me to get out of myself because when I'm trying to hold a pose and it's a thousand degrees in the room and I'm, my hands are slipping and my feet are slipping, I can't really worry about anything else in my life except falling on my, like literally falling <laughs> on my so it really forces me to sort of get in touch with myself, with my, my, my physical body, um, which gets me out of my head, which is actually a good thing. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes I really need to get out of my head, which I'm sure you can probably relate to. Yes. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> that, 
stop, stop. I've been doing yoga for hot yoga for 14 years straight. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it is, it's really great. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And it just, you also feel like you're detoxing. Everything just seems like it's literally, you're sweating it out of your body. Yeah. Um, I do that. I do. And I do a lot of like, I do, I get videos from my computer and I'll do Pilates or something or sort of strength training using your own body. Um, but I usually, I love to hike. So if I'm ever anywhere or just walk in the woods. So anytime there's trees around or anything that's green, um, you'll find me in them. I mean, I, when I'm in LA, I'm in the mountains pretty much every single day yeah. or I'll go for a run on the beach or, you know, if there's an ocean to swim in, I'll swim in the ocean. Um, and then I just, I try, I mean, eating, the worst part about being on the road is the eating. Yeah, I know. It's because very you're constantly, hard. yeah, you're yeah. in a car, you're going from point A to point B. Um, most of the time you've got road food, which tends to be a lot of fried stuff. And I, I don't yeah. actually don't like fried food anyway. I just feel awful eating it. Yeah, it's and so I'm not, funny. I'm not, your, um, your body, when you get into that groove, and I've, I've talked before about this because I'm in the same you know, both that you're in as far as health conscious, but people that eat that kind of food, the more you eat it, the more your body keeps craving it. It keeps craving it. It's yeah. a vicious cycle, you know? So if yeah. you eat healthy, the same thing happens, you know? <laughs> yeah. My, my problem is I love sugar. I am a, I am a sugar fan. I mean, I yeah. really do. I love like Swedish fish. My God, I like my, my thing. Um, and they're terrible. It's not just terrible for you. you it, my, my teeth are going to fall out. So, yeah. um, I have to be really careful about a lot of this stuff. Cause obviously that's very easy and it's quick energy, but uh, yeah, I mean, I know when I used to tour, I would keep a, a cooler in the car and I'd have things like carrots and things in there just to have, um, yeah. anything, a lot of those sort of, and not the, not the high sugar energy bars, but yeah, it, it's, it's a challenge. It's yeah. a challenge. Well, your teeth are doing pretty good so far <laughs> from what I could see. Yeah. So, <laughs> so last thing, as we're getting close to the, to the wire here, how about social media? Now you departed, you had to depart for a long time. Um, did you find that hard to get back into? Because I, I, I have struggles with this too. I mean, I, I pay a lot of attention to it and I get sick of it, you know, cause it's yeah. just, it's just a grind at times, you know, um, did you find it like a really a difficult thing to come back into that world? I've always had an issue with social, I mean, not an issue, maybe not the right word, but um, I've never been a great fan of social media. I, I like what it does. I like what the potential of it is. Yeah. But I find that it tends to sort of denigrate to the negative of pretend and not real stuff and and kind of getting too much keeping up with the Joneses and um, and having to create. And I, get, I understand that it's marketing. I understand it's the music business. I understand all this and that there is a business side and a marketing side. But I also really have a sort of crisis of conscience with, about, with, with the concept of being true and real. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm constantly fighting between being my authentic self, so to speak. Uh, and I, I hate using that word, but it's I think the only thing, I, only way to really describe it is being real, being my truly who I am, and cultivating this image. And in fact, the song I just finished writing that I just sent out for a pitch for film and TV was about you know putting on this facade, you know, this face to the world, but it's not really your face. And um, and it's hard. You have to run. It's it's a it's a very delicate balance. And I think some people handle it better than others. And some people are more comfortable with it than others. I am not, I tend to be a very private person. Um, it's not that I, I've got nothing to hide. I just don't like putting my whole life out there for the world. Yeah. And so, and I kind of get like, I can't stand, I mean, I just don't, it just bothers me to see everybody take, you know, selfies and you know, what did you eat for dinner last night? I'm like, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> no offense. But I just, I don't, you know, 
I, cause I tend to be someone who's, I'm terrible with small talk. I really, I mean, I, I'm the first person to admit it. I like deep subjects. I like, I like understanding why people think the way they do. So yeah. I'll, you know, I'll meet you and I'll be like, so, you know, how do you feel about this? I'm like, what's your dream? Like, what, what would you, if you could do anything in this world, what, and people are like, what? We don't even know you. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's how you get to know somebody, right? And they're yeah. like, oh. right. find out what the brand of jeans are. I'm like, no, I don't care. You know? Yeah. So it's, it, I have a hard time with, I had a hard time with it before. Being away from it was great in some ways yeah. because I didn't feel like I had to sort of keep up this image or, you know, um, and being in the bush, you're just, I was just grubby all the time. I, yeah. did not, I never wore makeup. My hair was back in a ponytail all the time. I just, you know, because who am I going to impress? An elephant? I mean, <laughs> they don't care. Um, they probably like that. That's what they, they, yeah, they're just like, what are you, who, what are you doing here? You yeah. know, that's, that's really all they care about. Are you in my way? Are you not in my way? Right. I don't care what you're wearing. So, so what, what platforms do you, um, do you participate in? You're, you must I, be- yeah, the only thing I really do, and I hate to say this, I had a blog when I was in the bush, which I haven't been very good at updating, partially because it was very difficult to get internet access. But that was about life in the bush, and it was more about the conservation side of things. Right. Um, I have two Instagram accounts, but they are completely geared towards my photography and my travel. Oh, okay. I don't actually have an artist one because I guess maybe I just – I need to start thinking, and I, I I have a background actually in advertising and, and marketing and business. That's what I started in, yeah. Um, which I didn't make it very long in, but I d- did study it. <laughs> um, and I do realize that I should be cultivating and I should be posting more content. But I, as an artist, I'm like, there's nothing really all that exciting for me. I don't think there's anything really exciting because I do it every day. So well, I'm like, yeah, what but are they you know what? Watch? But I but I do because more people need to hear about you because your 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 music is awesome, you know, and your story's you. awesome too. So, so yeah. So my story's been in Instagram. I had my I have my two photography ones. One is about totally wildlife oriented, and one is travel. Um, I've got a Facebook page, and I do have a Twitter handle. I never use Twitter. Yeah. I, mostly just I don't have enough time to keep up with all these things. Right. Um, so my Facebook is probably the biggest one. I've got my artist page. Then I'll post what's going on. I'll post new videos or clips of random things. I, I have to put together an Instagram one. The biggest thing has just been the time because I've got that. And I've also got, I'm working on a, putting out a children's book right now. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, what is the content? Uh, what's it, what's the subject matter with the children's book? (laughs) So my children's book is about a praying mantis that I actually raised. Nice. And it's his story told from his perspective. It's a middle grade kids book. And uh, so I've been working on getting that done. And, and I wanted to do a whole series of children's books and music that went along with it. So it's been trying to balance, obviously, my own music, I, you know, writing and pitching for film and TV, writing my own material, recording my own material, getting the, the book stuff going, writing material for the book as like, books themselves, but then also the music that potentially will go along with them and setting all that stuff. I'm like, I don't have enough hours in my day, literally, to do all the social media. So I, I need to be doing more from a marketing perspective. I just don't have enough time. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think at some point I will try to find, uh, once I get to a point where I can actually afford it, I'll pay someone to do quite a few of the things that I'm handling myself. Right. Just because it's, it's just not, I literally don't have enough hours in the day. Speaking so. of enough hours in the day, we are at the end of this. I mean, we're going to need, I oh. think, uh, Jen, I think we're going to need two more interviews, not just one more. So <laughs> in parting, where can we go to find out more about the world of Genevieve and her music? Okay, so my Facebook page is Genevieve Music Page. It's G-E-N-E-V 
I-E-V-E music page, all one word. Um, my website is www.genevieve-music.com. So G-E-N-E-V-I-E-V-E dash, the little line, music.com. Uh, and those are the two best places. <laughs> There's, I mean, you can find me at my songs on Spotify. They're on iTunes. There, but you can pretty much get the links all from my website on the the, uh, the Facebook page. Yeah, we'll put all of your links in the show notes for this. And uh, folks, look forward to not only the podcast, which is um, and and for those of you who have been tuning in, we've been number one in Japan and Singapore and Sweden and the UK and the US and probably half a dozen more off and on over the past month. So. Um, I, I, I'm really hoping that if you guys um, tune into the podcast, but also to the James O'Connor Agency YouTube channel where you will see Genevieve and uh, get all of this uh, amazing content. Genevieve, it was amazing to meet you. I was so happy that we cro- our paths crossed and uh, you know, the, your stories are captivating and your music is slamming. So I just want to wish you all the love and success in the world. Thank you. Right back at you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Fragile. Back of my hand. Giddy up, cowboy. And the video, the sum of all things. Genevieve. She's performed all over the country and overseas, singing the national anthem at Major League Baseball games, Christmas carols at the White House, and original songs at venerated venues such as the Kennedy Center. Her music has been featured on TV shows, movies, commercials, video games, and she's lent her voice to commercials, cartoons, children's songs, and other artists' CDs. She even sang a Zulu lullaby for a children's book she wrote. And every so often, she even gets a chance to sleep. Hey, go over and check out Jen's website. It's Genevieve-Music.com. And uh, she's got some really awesome content on there. The, her music player's up there. You can check out her songs, her photos, her trip to Africa, everything going on in the life of Genevieve. And just to bring you guys up to speed on the progress of Dharmic Evolution around the globe, as of today, we are in iTunes, music podcast, number one in Germany, number one in Sweden, number one in the UK, number one in Singapore, and all categories in Singapore, number one, number two in Japan, and number six in the USA, all thanks to you folks who support indie music worldwide. We are just getting warmed up, baby. If you are a serious singer, songwriter, musician, artist, author, speaker, thought leader, you have a mailing list, you take your career very seriously and work it, reach out to us. Go to dharmicevolution.com at the guest tab. Fill out your assets, drop it in, and we'll see if we can get you a booking on this show. Follow me on socials, everything at James Kevin O'Connor, and also Dharmic Evolution. If you're digging this show, please give us a subscribe, rate, and review in iTunes. It means the world to this show and to the artists who are on this show. That's it for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage.